Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Wimlex podcast. In this episode, Alexander will zoom in on underwear. Not his underwear, but the underwear designed by Christian Larsson, who's the co-founder of premium underwear brand CDLP. Christian is also a renowned Swedish filmmaker and storyteller. This episode was recorded in Stockholm and Alexander and Christian will talk about different business models, e-commerce and how you sell underwear online. So sit back, relax and listen. Hello Christian, welcome to the Wimlex show. Today live from uh, Stockholm um, in the uh, co-working space called Alma, maybe? I don't know, I don't remember 100%. 100%. Mm -hmm. Uh, Today we're talking about underwear and the retail industry of underwear. Uh, Before we deep dive into that, please uh, explain us a little bit about uh, your business and who you are. Uh, My name is Christian Larsen. I am the uh, co-founder and creative director of uh, the premium underwear brand CDLP. So, and what is your background? So you're in underwear industry now for like 20 years or? No, not at all. I've been in the underwear industry for about three, four years since we started this project. My previous background is actually, and still is, um, I'm a, I'm a um, uh, film director and photographer. Uh, so my background is predominant, predominantly in um, commercial filmmaking. I started my, f- my career in filmmaking as an editor and ventured over to uh, uh, being a director's assistant and then directing. Uh, I shot projects for in fashion and music videos for Seeger Ross, Kylie Minogue and that kind of stuff. Moved into uh, bigger commercials and did campaigns for Cartier, Pepsi, Beats by Dre. And then I started an underwear business. But it was handy to have a background in filmmaking and especially storytelling. So, and, and where's the connection between filmmaking industry and underwear industry? Do you, do you saw like a, there was a lack of underwear in, <laughs> in filmmaking? Might be a case, might be a case. Well, it's actually very logical. Uh, when it comes to the underwear, there was a, a being in photography or filmmaking, you, you um, travel a lot because uh, shooting film or photos in one location is not so exciting. Yeah. So yeah. you travel around the world. Um, and um, um, it was very obvious that uh, the missing, the missing quality link in my luggage was uh, really bad underwear. So that's the logic between starting a, uh, an underwear business. And then secondly, why it's good to be, have a background uh, as a filmmaker and photographer is uh, storytelling. I think uh, uh, creating a brand nowadays especially, it's all about telling a story. So. Yeah, but, but no, what I don't get so 100%, um, maybe you remember our last podcast guest, uh, Jeff Fleischer from mm-hmm. uh, Son of a Tailor. So he explained really well why there is a need for tailor-made t-shirts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got this. I have one uh, 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 on me uh, today. I, um, and um, in the underwear industry, though, I'm a very, very, very uh, low-level underwear buyer, I would say. Right. So I, I know some of the main commercials. Of course, I know there's like... Uh, uh, underwear um, labeled um, by, with uh, Calvin Klein and there's even an assortment on Amazon, my favorite <laughs> online shop in, uh, in Germany, even for underwear. Yeah. Uh, um, so where's like the, is there like a, a lack of quality if I would be like a more sophisticated underwear buyer? Mm-hmm. So is there, is there a lack of quality or is it something? Yeah, why more? do you start an underwear brand? Well, it's a, it's an absolutely a good, a good question. Um, I think you're a typical person, a typical guy that maybe not care so much about about your underwear. And why is that? Well, I think that one reason is that you haven't experienced great underwear. Uh, that's that's one reason. Um, 
it started with me and my best friend Andreas, who's the co-founder. Um, we were traveling quite a lot together and um, sharing hotel rooms, as you do when you're uh, when you don't have the budget, and because it's fun to share hotel rooms with your best friend. You hang out in underwear, and one day we looked at each other. It's like, are you serious? What are you wearing? Like, what is that? So the design of the underwear was one thing, the visual design. It was, you know, always like big logo types everywhere, crazy funky patterns and, and, uh, and quite a horrendous design. That was one thing. And, and when you travel a lot, you start to care about, um, you know, the, the few garments rather to have a really good quality rather than, than a lot of things. So, uh, and the quality of, of men's underwear have really not been that great. So that's when the idea was born to, to found an underwear company because we, we saw that there was an opportunity to one, make a quality garment in, in, in an industry where it hasn't happened very much product development in 20 years. And secondly, to design it in a, in a different style an understated, a bit Swedish aesthetic. Uh, and thirdly, to create a, a brand that would look different in an also quite a, a homogenic world of underwear brands. Yeah, okay, so um, can you tell us a little bit about, about the structure of uh, CDLP? So how many people are working here? How do you do it? Where do you produce it? How do you design it? Why is it better now than the underwear uh, you owned in your filmmaking career? <laughs> um, yeah, so the story, the story went on from that as an idea into um, exploring more what what had been happening in the underwear industry. And funny enough, 90% uh, of the underwear in the world uh, is made out of cotton. Mm -hmm. Cotton is not a great choice for fabric for underwear. Uh, and why is that? Because it absorbs moisture. Um, it's very it's bad for the environment, the excessive cotton production that we do. Um, and but there's like good cotton and bad cotton, right? Yeah, sure. But when it comes to underwear, it's bad cotton. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, in general um, and um, cotton also doesn't hold color very well it doesn't last very long uh, the only kind of great thing with cotton is that it's really it feels great when it's new and when it's dry mm, right okay so there were options and and, and this it's been happening a lot in the textile industry for the past 20 years but it felt like underwear has always uh, been kind of left behind uh, and I think uh, you know all the big brands, they also don't care so much about their underwear business. They, um, they have produced it on, uh, on license. So a lot of the big brands, they're actually producing in the same factories in China. So is there, is there no, so let, let, let's focus, you're doing like male underwear. Is there no brand or manufacturer focusing on male underwear only? It's all like licensed deals? Uh, there, there's, a, there's a couple of our competitors, actually two, two brands in Switzerland that, that are quite doing it quite well. Um, so we went to China, we visited these factories and we saw that there's an opportunity here to make something different in a new fabric, in a new design. Mm. Um, and uh, fast forward, we ended up um, in Portugal where we found this incredible material that we do all our collection is. It's called Lyocell. Um, first and Lyocell? Lyocell. So yeah. that, that's, you know, it's, yeah. tell us a, more about Lyocell. Yeah, so Lyocell is a really interesting uh, fabric. It's, um, uh, compared to cotton, it's, it's, a, it's a fully sustainable fabric. Uh, so it's made from wood pulp. Wood pulp. Wood what, pulp. Is, what is that for our German listeners? Yeah, it's a fiber derived from, from wood, from, uh, from uh, energetic um, uh, forest making, you know, fast growing uh, trees 
uh, and you derive the fiber and it's uh, created in a closed loop process. So it's very, very eco-friendly and sustainable. Um, and some of these kind of sustainable fabrics, they, they lack the premium feel, you know? So mm -hmm. it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's a compromise between feel or experience uh, and, and the sustainability. But the nice thing with Lyocell is that it's actually even, even finer uh, to wear than cotton. It's an extremely beautiful and nice material. I, I have one here. I showed it in, yeah. my, <laughs> in my camera. So yes. It's probably hard to see the difference between cotton and Lyocell on camera, right? And then it has a bunch of other great features compared to cotton. So it transports moisture rather than absorbs it. Uh, it holds color extremely well. So if you wear black underwear, you wash them five times, they turn gray. Yeah. Um, now, uh, Lyocell absorbs color so nice. So it's, yeah. uh, it, it's solid colors for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's extremely soft, it's extremely breathable, it's also antibacterial, um, and it just feels great. And this is like a, a Portuguese thing, the Lyocell? Is that not available in it's China? It's an invention from Austria, actually. Ah, okay. Yeah, so it's a patented technology to create the, the, um, the thread, mm -hmm. um, but we, uh, we, we make our, our fabric in Portugal. So the thread is imported to Portugal. And so even if you want to, you, can't, you cannot get it in China? Uh, there are some some uh, copy versions of, of the technique, okay. uh, but the one we use is is uh, is uh, sourced. Uh, the thread is sourced from Austria, and then it's uh, um, it's um, uh, knitted in uh, Portugal. But if it is so good, so why isn't it used for like other uh, other uh, um, by other underwear ma makers? Not only underwear, but also like t-shirt makers or yes. uh, trouser makers, whatever. Well, it's a, it's great for jersey, so it's quite flexible. Yeah. And your t-shirt, you don't want it to be too flexible. Yeah. But there are some people that that use it for for t-shirts as well. We are actually exploring that uh, that route as well. Um, but for underwear, it's fantastic. So why don't other underwear companies use it so much? Because it's more expensive. So oh, okay. yeah, the more the, the if you compare it like uh, on a uh, on a cotton level, it's like one hundred percent more expensive, two hundred percent more expensive. No, it's about twenty five percent more expensive. Okay, for us, um, you know, creating a premium product, uh, it's okay. It's also okay because we are our our business model is to sell predominantly to direct to consumer, so we have a high, higher margin that way, so we can afford to create a, a, a garment that is made from a more expensive fabric. Okay, how do you sell then? How we sell? Yeah, what is direct to consumers? Do you have like a pop-up store here on the Stockholm uh, main station? No, direct consumer. Online? I mean our e-commerce. Our e-commerce is uh, so it's still uh, seventy percent of our business is our own e-commerce. Ah. But our strategy has has from the start been to uh, basically when we had finished the product um, and we designed our packaging and our brand and everything was felt like a great product and we launched it. We put it to the market. We only launched with two styles. Um, we were we were confident that we needed um, the uh, the validation from traditional wholesale retailers um, for a new product like this. Yeah. Um, so we worked really hard to get into to the top retailers uh, and get the product kind of validated that way uh, to not only be a direct consumer e-commerce brand that says you know look at us we're doing the best underwear. We knew that ourselves, but we needed someone else to validate it for us. Um, so. Our strategy has been to, to sell in, in traditional retail as well, and, and that's actually working really well for us. So today we are selling with some of the top retailers like uh, uh, Barneys and Selfridges in the US and the UK, um, and they're super important in, in sort of reaching new, new, new clientele.
Okay. Also, I think because underwear is uh, it's a it's a category that that you uh, buy kind of spontaneously. You know, you're you are uh, pick, if you're buying something else in a department store, you pick it pick up some underwear as well. So, uh, are you able to talk about your revenue size? Or because if you are like already in Sweden and US and and wherever, that it sounds really big. So it's something a step usually done by businesses after they've reached a certain level of uh, maturity in in the home market. Yes. Um, no, we're still a small company. Uh, I mean, we've only we launched our brand two and a half years ago, um, so uh, we're a very young company. We're uh, we are you know five people uh, working here and another three people abroad. Um, our revenue was about uh, a million euros last year, um, but we're growing at the rate of kind of between two and four hundred percent. So things are moving really fast. So if, if, how did you do it like in the beginning? Um, if you're like from filmmaking industry and if you are, if you're looking in on the picture language on your, on your website, I would say there must probably must be some influencers involved in uh, marketing your stuff or was it like done differently? It was done differently. We, we haven't, uh, we, haven't um, uh, we haven't used influencers uh, at all really. Um, the, the way we put our brand to market was that we were very confident in our product. We only opened our own e-commerce store. We had no retailers at all. Um, and then um, uh, after I think we had um, uh, been in business for a couple of months, we had an order from the UK. Um, and uh, this order uh, happened to be a, a prominent journalist from uh, uh, the Times Style who also writes for Esquire. His name is Jeremy Langmead. And he um, reached out to us and said, uh, suddenly he said, um, I'm writing an article about you. So in uh, in uh, in Esquire there was an article called um, uh, the Boxer Rebellion, um, kind of talking about that there's a new kind of uh, energy within men's underwear c coming along, and that we were mentioned about as one of those players. Mm -hmm. um, so that was kind of like the starting point from when our business started to grow, and with that article that helped us to get into Mr. Porter, um, and kind of at the same time we. What is that, Mr. Porter? Say again? What, what is that? MrPorter.com? Mr. Mr. Yeah, what is that? Uh, the biggest menswear uh, retail. It is? I don't know. I've yeah. heard about it. Okay. No. Um, Mr. Porter is the biggest uh, menswear fashion uh, retailer. Um, so, ex uh, you know, the, the menswear segment of Netta Porter. Ah, okay. That is Mr. Porter. Yeah, I've heard about uh, Okay. Yeah. Never No, I wasn't aware of that. And being listed on Mr. Porter does mean that getting a tremendous traction and yeah it was a really important validation for us as a as a as a brand to be f uh, to be in mr porter mr porter is a style destination yeah, i'm probably a little bit too amazon focused yeah <laughs> <laughs> incredibly important uh, they're kind of like the new international uh, uh, you know dignity when it comes to fashion brands um, so they've become really really important into saying what what brands are hot and not Oh, okay. Yeah. So being listed, Mr. Porter is kind of jumping like over the first barrier. In, Absolutely, uh, that was definitely recognized. Yeah, that was definitely a first barrier. Yeah. At the same time, locally here in Sweden, uh, we uh, we started to sell in the department store here, which is called NK, which is kind of our equivalent of Selfridges or uh, mm -hmm. uh, or or uh, Harrods. And um, uh, in in two and a half years, we've gone from from last to to now we're the the best selling underwear brand in, in here in Sweden in this department. Store. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh, that's cool. But how how do those chains react to your direct to consumer um, strategy? Because usually they are very very um, 
critical to work with brands that are trying to lure the consumer away yeah. from their connection. If maybe you're like not the uh, most important brand in the portfolio, but they yeah. usually don't want to see Adidas, Nike, or the others really selling stuff, uh, doing like exclusive deals on their websites for the customers, and, yeah. and, and but that's becoming such an interesting brand like like you are right now, and um, having a better quality by not and not having much higher prices that is mm. only being uh, uh, po uh, possible by uh, um, saving the fee through the retailer. So yeah. how, how did they react to that strategy? Uh, they haven't reacted at all. I, but I think it's an interesting time now for, for these department stores. And I'm, 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 actually, I'm mentioning department stores because they are kind of the ones that we have selected that we really want to be in rather than kind of small fashion stores yeah. uh, because that's so low volume for us. It's important from a brand perspective, but the department stores actually sell volume for us. Yeah, and um, probably the smaller department stores, they, they don't differentiate their uh, um, their own business um, uh, uh, by selling your underwear brand versus another underwear brand, right? It's exactly. not like the, the main pillar of their no, assortment. No, exactly. But but for the department stores, I think it's n nowadays when, when the pressure is on for, for retailers, um, I think it's important that they admit that you know they can't fight uh, the e-commerce e customer. They have to work with the e-commerce uh, yeah. you know uh, uh, customer and and understand that it's not either or nowadays. It's you know the, the 360 thing. It's the omni thing uh, you know that the consumer wants to buy sometimes in retail and sometimes online. And, and I and for us our product specifically, I think it's for our segment underwear. I think it's really key to be in, in great stores as well. Yeah. So what is the, the, the street price you set uh, for uh, for the underwear? Which model is this one here? Uh, it's been like 29 euro and 35 euros. 20, 29 euros. So the, uh, uh, the the price you're selling it to department stores is probably somewhere between 10 to 15 euros. Uh, yeah, something then, like that. Then I guess. Um, so uh, that is not like huge margins actually no it's very, like it's absolute, very small absolute, margins. absolute margin especially for direct to consumer business yeah uh, um, um, to have though the only thing i would hope for is that there's uh, um, there's uh, lots of uh, repetition buying so you can create loyal customers it's the same discussion we we had with uh, jess fleischer yeah. on uh, son of a tailor so i don't know um, i'm probably like here not your model customer <laughs> again but what is like uh, your cust the customers you're seeing at your website which are a little bit more uh, brand aware and quality aware. So, what is their? How much time do they buy per year? Mm. Yeah, well, uh, that brings us into this, you know, kind of customer loyalty and 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 uh, and repeat buying uh, behavior. And I think we're in a really interesting segment for that when it comes to men, uh, because I think men have a different shopping behavior. Mm. Uh, they do not, um, to not to shop at all. For example. not to shop at all. Or when they actually shop, they become very loyal and they uh, and true to your brand, and they and they become repeat. That's true. Yeah, yeah. that's true. I see it because I'm now. I, I actually received the uh, the son of a tailor T-shirt uh, a week ago and yeah. or two weeks ago, and now I, I and they I, say I, I watched them. I watched them like <laughs> two or three times. And the price is high compared to other T-shirts. I, I yeah. am, I'm not remember one hundred percent, but it's somewhere between like. 45 euros to 55 yeah. euros. Uh, that's a lot for t-shirts. Yeah. Uh, uh, but the quality is superb. The, the fitting is superb. So probably if you have like 
two to three bad weeks during Christmas time when it comes to eating. Maybe the uh, the tailored fit is not <laughs> the best <laughs> idea anymore. Yeah, yeah. But it's like a, it's like it, it's a no brainer. Of course, I'm gonna reorder. Uh, uh, exactly. Is that the same with underwear? Yes, hundred percent. And I and I think that the son of a tailor guys are doing a fantastic job. I'm really impressed with with their uh, with their um, uh, idea and and their execution of what they're doing. Um, uh, when it comes to underwear, I think that there are plenty of similarities, and it's really interesting to see that we can meet a lot of skepticism. You know, like yourself, I'm feeling like you're like, okay, it's underwear. I don't know. I have my favorite style. I'm never going to change. I'm using the same. This is the same we meet all the time from from men. You know, they have their favorites. They have the you know they're loyal to a brand and they they stay with this brand for uh, forever. And they say I'm not interested in buying. So what we meet is a it's a it's a barrier. So we need to break through that that barrier and to to uh, to try to really convince this customer to to at least give us a try. But then you know the success rate in when we have convinced the the uh, the consumer to to try us has proven to be really successful. Um, and when they like our product, um, they stay loyal. So we have a very high repeat uh, customer uh, uh, lifetime. Like for the first cohort, so you're only like two and a half years in the business, let's say the first cohort like one and a half year ago. So yeah. what is like their their uh, their um, repeat buying behavior? Do they buy like twice a year, three times a year, four times a year? Yeah, between two and four times a year. Okay. Uh, yeah, but we're we're seeing that the lifetime customer value is is, is a really healthy number. Um, yeah, yeah, I I, to I totally be I totally believe that. So what is then your main marketing channels for your website? So where do the customers come from? Of course, like when you when you had like your uh, articles in uh, uh, in the Esquire and the others, yeah. uh, probably that that created some PR buzz. But yeah. this only holds like a week or so. But yeah. today, if you look on a similar web or other channels, so what is your uh, what is the uh, uh, what is the most important way to get customers on your website? So that's an interesting question because I strongly believe that there is no most important channel. I, I, I've, what I've learned now, you know, being an amateur in this from when we started until now, is that there is no one most important channel. The, 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 the most important thing is to understand that it's a multi-channel uh, uh, idea that, is, that makes a difference. You really need to uh, when we sell the most is when we have an article in, in, in an important magazine and we're in a podcast like yours. And yeah, of course, <laughs> it will have like a tremendous impact. Yeah. So. And Maybe you should think about a voucher code. The voucher code creates uh, yeah. always impact. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to give that. If you listen to the end, I'm going to give you guys yeah, a, yeah, a yeah, voucher yeah. code. Yeah, we, we think about a voucher code. So, uh, <laughs> then we, 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 so when we're seeing this and then we're mentioned by, you know, an important person on Instagram uh, who has bought our stuff and posts about this organically because we don't do any paid collaborations. Yeah. Why? Uh, because we believe that our product is, needs to, it needs to be, um, I think it, it needs to be good enough for people to like it and talk about it itself. Otherwise, I don't think you're... But do you send the product for free to influencers? We do, without yeah, paying? yeah we, do, we do send it for free to, to, to people that we, we would like to wear our stuff. Okay, and then you just wait. So sometimes they're exactly. writing. Yeah, probably they're hoping uh, that you're sending them more stuff. <laughs> no, we uh, we really don't. But we we really see that people like our product and they that they come by uh, come back and buy it in our store. Yeah. Okay. But the three sixty thing is 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 my kind of biggest lessons lesson learned um, yeah. from this business. Yeah, similar, similar what we're saying though, just open similar web to see where the traffic is coming uh, uh, from for cdlp.com. It's like saying 60% direct. So the numbers in general are a little bit too low to, to, 
uh, to trust it too much, but it's a 20% search, uh, probably searching for like premium underwear, CDLP underwear. Yeah. Uh, but the direct impact is really good. So, yeah. uh, um, uh, but is, is there something you can do in terms of like standard e-commerce nurturing, sending out newsletter, how to wear your underwear in another way, how to wash your underwear? Yeah, it, absolutely. And, and paid social is obviously, you know, it's a really important channel for us. But paid social is only about 20% of our, um, of our um, uh, revenue, you know, okay. um, um, on the numbers. So, so again, it's like, it's about doing PR really well and communication really well, as well as doing paid social and paid search and all those things. But when you manage to create the best kind of 360 mix, that's when we see that, that uh, it has a result. Okay. And not to forget that within that 360 mix is the traditional retail. Yeah, that's true. That's true, though. I, m maybe if you're like following a couple of the Womelec Show podcasts, so I'm not trusting the traditional retail yeah. uh, anymore. So it's like on a, uh, it's, it's, it's not in, it's not like, I, I, I would not expect an increasing footfall here in the main, uh, uh, in the main shopping street in, uh, in Stockholm. For, for us, we see that underwear is, uh, it's, it's quite big on spontaneous uh, buying and gifting. So in a department store, you know, you have the women buying for their men or the sister buying for the brother or, you know, the girlfriend buying for the boyfriend or the boyfriend for the boyfriend or whatever it is. Um, this is really important. Okay. And then people are gifted or they, they try one product and then they maybe buy another one, mm -hmm. but then they come to us in our e-commerce. Yeah. So this kind of loop is, is really interesting. And it's, it, that kind of also says something about kind of men's customer beha behavior. Once you've tried something that you like, you you uh, you, you come directly you, you come directly it, yeah. to to the yeah, source. So you, so your general take on men's buying behavior is you're you're not looking for selection. We are looking for solution. So uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so. And we see it's it's quite funny when we we've been featured in Wall Street Journal and and Forbes, uh, and then we see people from kind of New York, London. Uh, you know, either they buy they're like okay, I'm going to try this. They say it's good in Wall Street Journal. Boom, they buy 27 pairs right, right off the bat. Yeah. yeah. Or what is your return rate on such an order? Do they stick with Our it? return rate? Yeah. Well, that's a good thing about underwear that our return rate is incredibly low. Okay. It's, it's incredibly low. So it's below 5%? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. So it's like furniture. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, okay, so how, how many different like underwear styles are you selling actually? So like 10, 20, 100? Uh, no, no, no. So our, I our, can only imagine like five or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, we started with only one style and then we did another one. And then based on that, we launched, uh, you know, we've always listened to our, to our customers really, really closely. And it's really interesting that we have a really, that's, I think that's the, like the main charm with having uh, an e-commerce and, and being able to, to, talk and listen to your consumers uh, really closely. Um, so all the product development has really been in close uh, connection to our customers. Um, currently we have five styles. So we have the boxer trunk, the boxer brief, the wide brief, the boxer shorts, traditional. And then obviously we're from Scandinavia. So we have the long johns um, and they're, they're doing Are they really popular well. long johns here? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah? yeah? Uh, of course, you can't survive the winter here without long johns. And our long Maybe johns, in Stockholm, is, yeah, yeah, and and here you know, long johns are traditionally this garment that you know you, you wear like big bulky cotton long johns yeah. for skiing, you know. But here, when it's minus twenty five degrees, certain days in the winter, and you're wearing a suit, if you work in you know industry where you need to wear a suit, you can't wear these bulky long johns. So our long johns are like super, 
uh, super thin and, and uh, you can wear them under a suit and you wear them as a single layer. So, and, uh, so just to wrap it up, so how many products are now on sale on your website? So five in the underwear collection and then we've also launched uh, socks. So we do a bamboo socks. The same kind of concept when it comes to fabric and making. So bamboo socks. Bamboo socks. So it's a sustainable fabric, antibacterial and really nice for the environment. Why can't you use the same material like you're using underwear? Uh, it doesn't work for socks. It's, it's Why that? Uh, well, it depends on how. It, well, it's a jersey material. It's it's suitable for jersey. It's not suitable for, for making socks. Um, so, bamboo is a great choice for socks. Bamboo. Yeah. So how do you make like garment out of bamboo? It's the same technology. It's a, ah, it's a okay. fiber. Yeah, it's a fiber. So you you drive it from from bamboo fiber. And you're producing the same uh, uh, in the in the in the same facility in, in Portugal. No, it's another it's another factory, but also in Portugal. Oh. And then we launched uh, swimwear last summer, uh, and we did a capsule collection, like a small collection. And this year we've we've finally found a really uh, interesting fabric, also in line with all everything else that we do. It's called Eco Nile. So Eco Nile. So Eco Nile. Learning so much here about fabrics. And yeah, it's, yeah. It's just so it's like Eco Nile plus polyester. <laughs> yeah. Eco Nile is a beautiful fabric. It's made uh, out of um, uh, regenerated ocean plastic waste. So fishnets and plastic found in the oceans. Yeah, we make uh, a really nice nylon. Um, so for swimwear, it's perfect. So eco nylon. Eco nylon. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. So, so we, that, we tried to. And, 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 and where does it come from? Those ideas. Is that like feedback from your customers saying, "Okay, please, Christian, uh, we need more sustainable swimwear." Is that what you're hearing from your customers? No, it's a. Uh, it's a. Um, it's been part of the business idea from the start that. We, when we were gonna launch this brand and make um, make our collections, we felt if you're starting a, a new brand uh, in 2016, this was of course you have to use sustainable fabrics. You you, you know it, of course it's, it goes without saying. We don't we don't actually make the biggest kind of fuss about it in our communication, but we kind of take for granted that you know everything that we make we try to do it in a responsible way. Uh, I guess it's a little bit of a Swedish uh, DNA in us, you know, when we try to think about those kind of things. But uh, I think there are, there are fantastic options when it comes to everything that you make, that there are sustainable options to choose from nowadays. So um, okay, yeah, goes okay. without saying that you should consider. Got that. it. But when you're like when we're not talking about like the uh, the uh, to getting a little bit broader in the in the in the in the collection. Yeah. So what is then the vision for the brand? So what does it actually mean, CLP? <laughs> the CDLP, it's a nice four-letter uh, word that comes from a French saying, which is, means um, cadeau de la providence, it means a gift of providence or a nice gift. So ah, it's okay. a little nice so, gift so for yourself. If you, like, if you show it CDLP to people in France, they get it? Not just CDLP, but if you okay. say the long word, yeah. Ah, okay, okay. So yeah. what is like the vision then for CDLP? The vision is to, uh, is to really um, keep developing the underwear as the, as the core. Um, but from there, we're using the, the concept of the fabrics. So uh, the lyocell, the bamboo, the econile, and we're kind of growing within the, um, within the bedroom. It's a, it's, a, it's a simple metaphor. So um, we're growing into a t-shirt, we're going, we're going into uh, pajamas, we're going into a robe. So things that are in around the underwear drawer 
it's kind of where ah, where okay, we're growing yeah. okay yeah. yeah yeah got it okay that, but but your vision is not like to own your own fashion cdlp stores where it's just about the underwear segment no so we've been talking about our brand as a premium underwear company we're moving uh we're broadening that that term and talking about our our brand as masculine essentials ah, okay and, and how, do you, how do you manage so many different products with such a small team? And, and how, how long is like the make to order process then? So is it like, I can't imagine that you have like a big storage room here in the co-working space where you just order, uh, uh, order all these socks uh, for 2019 and, <laughs> and ship them from here. So how does it work? Uh, everything is stored in our warehouse in south of Sweden. Oh, yeah. Yes, but... Uh, That's actually where Amazon is building its new warehouse. Yes, I know. So uh, we'll meet some competition when it comes to stock management. Mm -hmm. um, but our made-to-order uh, made uh, process is about, you know, it's about six months, you know, it's quite, quite long. Um, but um, but uh, how do you handle then like peak times with, uh, with, with, with uh, what was it, Washington Post? No, was, what kind of magazine was Wall it? Wall Street Journal. Wall Street Journal. Yeah. There must, be, must have been some peak demand. So yeah, there has. So that was the struggle. The first, the, when we started to get traction, that was incredibly hard for us we were we sold out of everything so the one year into the business we we had no stock and then obviously what what do you do well we we raised some funds we bought a lot of stock and now we have a lot of stock <laughs> ah, <laughs> the stock okay. management is like it's really tricky when when you have a rapid growth rate um, at the same time now after having having worked with our um, uh, re our wholesale partners now for a bit over a year is that our relationships have become better with them so we're a little bit better at forecasting and understanding like yeah. what they will buy and while we were with we, you know last minute with everything that we did during the first year and a half or two years now we're a little bit better in kind of planning yeah. and forecasting now you, you know like two weeks before yeah exactly <laughs> Crash. Okay. and not and, last and, and where, where do you get like where do you get like funding for for a company like yours so we're getting a lot of like questions okay do you know have an idea of this and that and uh, some of those are in uh, are in the uh, fashion industry. So, so who's like funding stuff like that? Uh, we raised funding from people that we knew here in Sweden. So yeah. it's like more, more like an angel funding. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's angel funding from from people that we know or people that know people that we know. Okay. <laughs> um, but people that believe in our in our vision and me and Andreas as a as a partner duo in in doing this, um, and um, yeah, everything is done in a close dialogue with them. So and, and one, I, I think I think we are asking this this question um, every time. So so what is like limiting your growth? So you're saying like two hundred four percent that that's a lot for of course per year, but uh, with some more bus. So I think it could be. Uh, I, I don't know how big the underwear market is in, in Europe, but mm. it's probably somewhere in the billions. So maybe one, two, three, whatever. Yeah. So there's obviously a chunk of 100 million left for uh, for your um, underwear brand uh, uh, what is like limiting the growth here is it like the production is it the sheer assortment is it like the access to retailers the access to influencers <laughs> the access, yeah access is one thing I, I, limiting the growth is um, uh, being able to afford to grow and i think that's you know communication and marketing mm -hmm. uh, everyone essentially uh, it's, you can grow organically, but you also need to pay quite a lot for growing uh, when it comes to marketing and communication, especially now when paid social, Facebook, Instagram has gotten more and more expensive. Uh, you know, we're in bidding war about 
exposure all the time, you know. So that's that's a channel of marketing is becoming more and more expensive. So that's one thing that is uh, that is um, holding back growth. Secondly, um, for us, it's production. It's really it's really hard um, uh, to to make that work. Uh, we have a really good partner now, but it's been a lot of struggle in, in this two and a half years. And I think everyone in this business have the same struggle. It's really hard to make it work and to remain quality with that kind of growth. So um, we're putting a lot of effort into that, but that's definitely a challenge too. And then thirdly, um, um, it's competition. So are there lots of other underwear brands uh, rushing now into the market with the same vision or was like uh, a good product, better, uh, better produced, blah, no, blah, blah? You know what? I, I think um, uh, in the underwear market, we've managed to do a really nice job in slicing our own kind of way of portraying uh, a, lot of, a lot about our brand is the way we communicate our visuals, our films, our collaborations that we've done. From everything with the, from Tom of Finland, who's a who's an artist, to uh, Sting, the artist. Um, so, so he was wearing your underwear. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so so we've been you know we've kind of done an, our own thing, I would say, as an underwear uh, brand. So that's working really well. But um, uh, nowadays, I, I also feel that we are we're not only in competition with underwear brands. We're in competition with kind of everyone who sells something online. You okay. know. Um, when it comes to customer acquisition. Yeah, exactly. Okay, but 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 you can you can turn into your like custom into a customer based and make like a private club out of it and say okay only like customers are allowed to invite other customers and then yeah. they're getting like a reference uh, yeah. a referral fee yeah. like the shopping clubs did like ten years ago. Yeah, uh, no, definitely. They grew a lot. So and that's something that we're doing. Um, we're launching a subscription service. Um, I was just about asking this. Uh, yeah. subscription. Well, it's an obvious kind of step forward of our business, basically, uh, simply based on that we have a lot of returning customers. So we're trying to automate that process. And a lot of people that, that find our brand and like our product is that they, they find that, they, okay, this is the answer to a, a need that I have, and we managed to solve their problem. And why don't we just automate that for them? Though so you probably know the story of Black Socks from Switzerland, like the one of the one of the only successful subscription models for socks, right. copied like copied like I don't know hundred times. Yeah. So uh, what is your uh, and we can talk about this a little later after the podcast. <laughs> uh, I highly recommend to 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 uh, listen to their stories. Mm. So what is your subscription promise then uh, so is it like you're getting stuff cheaper because you're buying over the next 12 24 yeah, months exactly you don't, you don't need to wash your underwear anymore because we do it for you or <laughs> no but i i think to automate the process if you're a customer who've already purchased product from us you know two three four times mm -hmm. uh, we can make that process automatically uh, yeah. and you'll get a discount from it you know so i think it, it kind of makes sense for everyone involved um, and um, uh, also, you know, we'll supply the news, uh, the new products, etc., to to customers. We'll create a club around it, and and they'll feel feel involved in the product development. We have really engaged customers, and we're very very pleased with that. So we have a lot of. What was the reaction to the customers? You probably did like a, a small peer group asking them, okay, yeah. would you be willing to join as potential subscription model? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have we had a very big number that were interested in the subscription. Oh yeah, number. yeah, yeah. So, uh, but then you know we have to we have to launch it and we have to see what they say. But uh, we have high hopes that it will work out well. 
yeah and then then it could be it could include some like exclusive models or exclusive colors only available exactly. for in, a, in a subscription yeah okay so yeah that's like a and, and what do you say that the customers you're having in your database they are like uh it's like a high income uh, uh customer base so the customers that are usually not buying at uh um, at cheap initech stores yeah i would say that people uh that our customers they are um, perhaps high income but more first and foremost i think they care a lot about the products that they buy uh, they're mm. kind of conscious buyers. Yeah. Uh, we, we really feel that in, in the feedback that we have and the yeah. engagement we have from the, from the customers that they, they care a lot about what they buy. And I think that that would go the same for, they buy our underwear, but I'm sure that they have the same con consciousness when it comes to you know, everything else that they buy. Cars, houses, music, headphones. Is there any, anything other interesting in the data you're seeing? So there's like a, a lot of subscription willingness. Mm -hmm. uh, you're seeing uh, 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 you're seeing loyal customers. It's cool two to four time uh, spiral. But there any other thing you're coming uh, you're coming up or uh, any any ideas that are saying okay that's the thing you could really really boost the business uh, uh, with apart from moving into socks pajamas and all the other because socks pajamas and all the other that's like the the broadest assortments gets the harder it's gonna be it's, it's getting to, to be managed yeah uh, and if you're looking just in the underwear market worldwide it's like a billion dollar market yeah, yeah. getting a big chunk out of that without the pajama and socks yeah, yeah. that could be good enough so is there, is there like a strategy yeah it's not it's not it's not uh, it's not uh, obvious to 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 already to start to build the collection out to other mm -hmm. products at the same time we feel we we base our product development a lot about the emotional aspect that people have to our brand and to our product. And what does that mean? Well, basically, when people wear our product, they feel a certain way. And that's interesting. So instead of looking at, okay, what is a product that would come after this style or this model, you know, based on fabric or, or you know, what is a logical development of a product. Instead, we've kind of looked at what is the emotional response that we get from people that wear our product. So. For example, um, we have a lot of people that, uh, <laughs> that, that, that we speak to, our customers, that they, they feel better about themselves when they wear underwear. Yeah. They feel, um, they f uh, you know, we had a, last week we had a guy, he's about 65 years old. He said, guys, you're doing a great job. Uh, it's the first time in my life that I actually feel sexy in the morning when I put on a pair of underwear. That's a, that's a fantastic response to get from a, from a man that wears your product. And that's an emotional kind of attachment to our product that we try to capture and do something about. So how can we keep growing our products uh, with this in mind? Um, so we want to do the same. We want to give the same kind of emotional reward to people that w wear our socks, to wear our swimwear. And, and in that sense, it makes sense to develop yeah. a beautiful robe. I never felt sexy in my pajamas. I don't have one, but uh, <laughs> that's because maybe that's a, that's a that's a good reason. So, yeah. is there is there any 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 interesting stuff upcoming in 2019 for you? So, is it like is it's 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 now subscription in socks 2019? That's your core. No, uh, the uh, the underwear collection is still the core. It's still what we keep pushing every day. Yeah. Uh, the socks as well has kind of grown quite a lot. It's an obvious uh, obvious product that goes with the underwear. Um, this year we're pushing a lot this the new swimmer collection that comes now in May uh, in this new fabric. Um, male, male only? Or yes, only male. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's, that's a decision we've taken. We're only going to do uh, men. 
we we've done a great job so far uh, and we feel like th there's more to do in this segment for men uh, the market for uh, for uh, women's underwear is quite saturated and there's a lot of yeah. people there so we're, we're, we're good here. <laughs> um, so the swimwear and then uh, this sort of slight extension around the underwear as far as the pajamas and the robe um, that's coming for the fall. Okay, have you any questions for the Vimlex audience you want to, uh, you want to get feedback on? Though you can ask, it, uh, ask them right now and they can, can write you an email. I, I will put your email and the voucher code and you need to think about the voucher code. Absolutely. As customers, so uh, well, I, I think we should, uh, we should uh, first uh, give the voucher code. I think it's Wimlex family 10. That's the Wimlex, code. Okay, <laughs> yeah, okay. It might be uh, correlate to a 10% discount, right? Absolutely, 10% yeah. discount. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't try a Wimlex Family 100. <laughs> <laughs> Wimlex Family 10 will give you 10% if you'd okay. like to try our product. That would yeah. be great. Um, my question to your listeners would probably be, um, if we, uh, what is a successful uh, subscription uh, model for underwear? Uh, what would make you uh, subscribe to, to an underwear brand? Um, Nowadays, because uh, you know, underwear subscription, SOG subscription has been around, as you say. Yeah. And we're trying to do our take on it. So, um, if you have any feedback on what people, yeah, I can I can tell you the feedback what we've <laughs> learned in the in the in the, in the market in the, in the last year. So most subscription models we which we're seeing is uh, it's it's one hundred percent designed around European L. It's not solving a problem for the customer. It's yeah. like really solving a PNL problem of yeah. not. Of not uh, uh, of not needing to win the customer back through performance marketing exactly. and sending the stuff out and yeah. and that's really like you, it's it's really hard to figure out so where's the sweet spot of of the underwear USP where subscription helps yeah and it's it's probably the moment when like customers see okay that out of the ten uh, boxer shorts they have left in their in their uh, um, underwear storage facility whatever yeah. it is uh, so five are kind of uh, Below, below quality already yeah. to to uh, uh, too worn out, yeah. uh, uh, too much worn out, um, and and then there must be sub subscription kicking in. And if you're even looking at the subscription models Amazon is offering, they're just sending you products out yeah. uh, without without learning how much eye drops you really need, how much whatever you yeah. really need, and and uh, and having like a subscription model where you really can stop. Uh, um, the moment what you want or having a subscription model just asking you uh, uh, once per month uh, per email learning how often you respond and then yeah. customers that are wearing uh, wear, want, want to have underwear on a more frequent level are getting more emails other customers are getting yeah. less emails so this kind of cohort based uh, yeah. mechanism is really hard to adjust and yeah. if you're only like putting in there a button of, uh, okay, we send you stuff like uh, uh, every once in a while and then you can log in and stop your uh, yeah. subscription. That, that's not doing the trick anymore. It's not convenient uh, yeah. enough. And that's actually where there's really some test and learn needed. And then yeah. it's really, you're on you're in like, welcome to the very complex world of CRM systems. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and most people are only looking it, uh, into it from a financial perspective and yeah. solving their, their um, uh, customer loyalty program yeah. a problem and, and that's not the case here so but listening to what the black Sox founder uh, is saying and where the limitations of this business models are that's really interesting yeah i should look into that well thanks for the recommendation yeah. i'm gonna listen up yeah any other questions left so before we are wrapping up here um your well your i think your biggest listener base is uh, is uh, germany yeah yeah yet 
Yeah. Yes, <laughs> and we have very uh, we have very few um, few customers in Germany. Do um, we have department stores in Germany? No, not yet, yeah. not yet. So, um, uh, but uh, but I do think that uh, German men would uh, would be interested in in our product yeah. just as other men. So, yeah. how do we um, launch our product in Germany? Yeah, I mean, maybe there's some listeners in there helping you to do to do that. Maybe some department stores owner. So, though there's some some uh, some retailers. And they, I would be very interested uh, into that. And if you're, have you been ever mentioned into a, a German-based newspaper, something like Washington Post, whatever, uh, in Germany? No, not at all. Uh, we sell in two stores in, in Berlin. Uh, they're kind of like uh, the Soho House store and Vu store. So two kind of cool uh, small stores. The Soho House store, of course. Yes, yeah. of course. Um, but if you're a listener and you, um, um, you can check out our brand, um, you're yeah. open for uh, for cooperation models. Yeah, no, no, definitely. But I think I I would like to learn more about the uh, the German market and and what German men would require from an underwear brand, especially a new underwear brand. Um, so I'd love to learn more about that. So let me know. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, thanks for all the answers. So I put your email address and the voucher code uh, do. In, in the show notes. Uh, yeah. It was very interesting. Though it's a really nice experience to uh, uh, to have access now to these underwear. It's like I'm. Really changing my uh, uh, my wardrobe uh, through the Wimblex uh, through the Wimblex show. It was really entertaining, uh, and have uh, good luck with 2019 and your swimsuit. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me and us on the podcast. Yeah, thanks a lot.